Sermon 3. The altar of burnt offering made from acacia wood overlaid with bronze. Exodus 38th chapter verses 1 through 7. He made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits its width. It was square and its height was three cubits. He made its horns on its four corners. The horns were of one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the utensils for the altar, the pans, the shovels, the basins, the forks, and the fire pans. All its utensils he made of bronze. And he made a grate of bronze network for the altar. Under its rim, midway from the bottom. He cast four rings for the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. Then he put the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. Every sinner had to bring a sacrificial offering to the altar of burnt offering. For any sinner among the people of Israel to be remitted from his sins had to bring a sacrificial animal to the tabernacle, pass his sins onto it by laying his hands on its head, draw its blood, and then hand this blood over to the priest. The priest in the line of duty then put this blood of the sacrificial animal on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, laid its fat and flesh on the altar, and burnt them with a fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord God. Even the high priest had to lay his hands on a sacrificial animal and pass his sins onto the animal before the altar of burnt offering in order to receive the remission of his sins. This was the sacrifice of the atonement offered at the altar of burnt offering, which was made from acacia wood and was overlaid with bronze, and this sacrifice of the remission of sins was offered only through the laying on of hands and the shedding of blood. Even before the foundation of the world, God had already planned the way of salvation to deliver everyone from all his sins through the laying on of hands and the shedding of blood. Having planned our salvation, God the Father had to send his only begotten Son to this earth, let him be baptized by John the Baptist, and made him shed his blood on the cross. That is why Jesus Christ accepted all the sins of each and every sinner through his baptism, which was the same as the Old Testament's laying on of hands and to bear all condemnation for all the sins of the world, 
Jesus shouldered all those sins and shed his own blood on the cross in our place. The altar of burnt offering overlaid with bronze teaches us that God will infallibly condemn each and every sin that's written on the tablet of every human's heart. Every sinner, therefore, had to pass his sins onto a sacrificial animal by laying his hands on its head and then cut its throat, draw its blood, and the priest had to put the blood of the animal on the horns of the altar of burnt offering. Like this, the altar of burnt offering overlaid with bronze makes it known to all of us that Jesus bore all our sins and that he was condemned on the cross for all these sins in our place. The significance of the altar of burnt offering. Whenever a sacrificial animal was offered to God, its flesh was cut into pieces and put on the altar of burnt offering in order to be burnt with fire and offered as a sweet aroma to God. God the Father was very pleased to see that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and crucified to death in our place for all our sins. God the Father was pleased that this unblemished Jesus sacrificed himself as the everlasting propitiation for all sinners. The sacrifices offered on the altar of burnt offering show how God has saved every sinner from all his sins and at the same time, they also show how God condemns each and every sin. Put differently, the altar of burnt offering reveals the salvation of the human race from all its sins and condemnation. It shows us that every sinner must be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone in hell. And it also shows us how every sinner can be delivered from all his sins. Like this, whoever has any sin at all must be cast into the fire of hell, and therefore every sinner must find God's mercy without fail. Each sacrificial animal that was put on the altar of burnt offering had borne a sinner's iniquities and was condemned for them. In other words, the sacrificial animal had accepted someone's sins through the laying on of hands and shed its blood in his place. It had borne the condemnation of sin that the sinner had to face. This burnt offering sacrificed in the tabernacle teaches us that Jesus accepted all the sins of this world through his baptism and shed his blood in our place. 
every utensil in the tabernacle shows us how God has fulfilled the remission of sins for us. Therefore, for you to draw a clear-cut line of your salvation, you must have the right faith in the truth revealed in the utensils of the tabernacle. How should you then draw the line of your salvation? You must draw a clear line of salvation by believing in the truth of salvation, which is hidden in the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine woven linen. Only those who have such faith can truly come into the righteousness of God and live out their faith properly. God had prepared a sacrificial offering that would make atonement for sinners' sins so that they would be able to come into the sanctuary. And the high priest offered the sacrifice of atonement on behalf of all sinners in order to save them from all their sins. God has fulfilled his promise of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, in the gospel of the water and the spirit. We must therefore believe in the gospel truth of the water and the spirit and live out this faith of ours. Is your faith now placed in the gospel of the water and the spirit? For you to be saved from all your sins, you must believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit wholeheartedly. The true remission of sins can be received only if you have faith in the gospel word of the water and the spirit as testified by the blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Indeed, the truth of salvation revealed in the blue, purple, and scarlet thread shown in the Old Testament's tabernacle is all contained in the gospel of the water and the spirit revealed in the New Testament. Do you stand for the gospel of the water and the spirit? Or do you espouse the gospel that emphasizes just the blood of the cross? Do you believe in the gospel proclaiming that Jesus Christ was baptized and shed his blood for us? In the age of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system of the tabernacle was God's covenant of salvation, promising us that he would save us from the sins of the world. God had revealed his elaborate plan of salvation through the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine woven linen used to weave the tabernacle's gates. Whoever wanted to enter through this gate had to believe in the truth revealed in these materials. Like this, God allowed the people of Israel to be saved from all their sins through the sacrifice of the tabernacle by laying their hands on their sacrificial animal and thus passing their sins onto it by faith and by offering its blood to God. 
The gospel of the water and the spirit is the standard by which the remission of sins is received and therefore only those who understand and believe in this gospel properly are God's very own people while everyone else is yet to become one of God's people. That's because the truth revealed in the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine woven linen used in the gate of the tabernacle's court is the New Testament's gospel of the water and the spirit. Our Lord said to Nicodemus in John 3rd chapter, Unless one is born again of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's very important for all of us to grasp that the water here refers to the baptism that Jesus received from John the Baptist. Only if we understand the gospel of the water and the spirit can we come into God's arms by faith. Everyone must realize that he will be condemned unavoidably for his sins. As described in Mark 7th chapter, verse 21, everyone has the same 12 sins that proceed from his heart. First of all, everyone's evil thoughts are a sin before God. And murder, adultery, theft, covetousness, wickedness, pride, and foolishness are all sins as well. The evil thoughts that are in people's hearts are the real sources of sin that offend the holiness of God. Even though God made Adam in the likeness of his image as an eternal creature, Adam sinned against God. And as a result of this, all of us Adam's descendants were also born as sinners unable to escape from God's condemnation. Because we were all born as the first Adam's descendants, it is in our inherent nature to commit nothing but sin and offend the holiness of God, both in our thoughts and actions. And therefore, we cannot help commit sin until the day we die. Indeed, all human beings are fundamentally evil in their thoughts by nature, and they are also fragile beings easily deceived by Satan who continually challenges God's holiness. God said that nothing but evil thoughts proceed from the human heart. Every human being is indeed exposed as a depraved sinner filled with the 12 kinds of sins listed in Mark 7th chapter, from murder to adultery, theft, covetousness, fornications, foolishness, and so on. Everyone's fundamental human nature is filled with evil thoughts. 
and countless people are challenging the holiness of God with their own religious piety. So we all had to be condemned by God for our sins without fail. That is why sacrificial animals were constantly burnt on the altar of burnt offering day after day in the tabernacle. The court of the tabernacle was actually filled with the smell of burning flesh and the smoke of firewood. We must wash away our filth with the water and the labor of bronze. The Old Testament's priest had to surround themselves every day with the nasty smell of burning flesh and black smoke. So it was impossible for them to be clean. As their faces were blackened by the smoke and their bodies were covered with grime. That's why they needed the labor of bronze in the court of the tabernacle so that they could wash themselves. The priest had to wash away their filth with the water of the laver of bronze every day. This laver of bronze in the tabernacle denotes that in the days of the New Testament, Jesus had washed away all the sins of the world by being baptized by John the Baptist. The fact that the priest of the Old Testament washed their bodies with the water of the laver of bronze in the tabernacle refers to the baptism of Jesus Christ, which was as important to his work of salvation as the blood he shed on the cross. The baptism that Jesus received from John the Baptist was an absolutely indispensable step to wash away all our sins, without which no one could be cleansed. Indeed, the priest could maintain their holiness because they could go to the temple's labor of bronze and wash away all the grime accumulated over the course of ministering in the tabernacle. That the priests washed away all their filth at the labor of bronze implies that one must admit his sinful self and recognize that everyone will be condemned and destroyed by God for his sins. The way of salvation is open to you when you admit to God that you will be condemned and cast into the fire of hell to suffer forever for your sins. The only way that you can come into the presence of God is to admit your sins and believe in the real truth of salvation that Jesus has fulfilled for you. The Messiah did actually come to this earth to save you and me from all the sins of the world. He did actually bear all our sins by being baptized by John the Baptist, and he was in fact condemned on the cross in our place.
This is the gospel truth of the water and the spirit. And it is the absolutely indispensable truth of salvation that we must believe. Every human being harbors evil thoughts and therefore everyone has wicked desires to hurt others, inflict pain on them, and even murder them. You must recognize just how evil and depraved human beings are. Why are human beings so evil then? It's because they are a brood of evildoers by nature, always harboring wicked thoughts and always committing sin. Because human beings commit all the 12 kinds of sins all the time, they are like a bomb that can go off at any time. Indeed, they practice wickedness all the time, lying to one another constantly, stealing from one another, committing adultery and fornication, blaspheming the glory of God and loving foolishness and madness. As a brood of evildoers by nature, human beings always harbor evil thoughts and challenge the holiness of God through their lives. Just how evil are we in God's sight? It is in everyone's inherent human nature to be selfish. Scientists say that a human being has over 100 trillion cells, and each of these countless cells is so selfish that it never makes any concession to another cell. This is why a human being is a thoroughly selfish being. Because everyone is genetically programmed to be selfish like this, no one can survive in this world unless there are social norms and rules that regulate one's behavior. Human beings are so selfish that without such norms, they would kill each other. It's for their mutual survival that they have established rules of coexistence. That's how social norms and rules came into existence. Social norms are made to constrain man's destructive inclination and foster a more cooperative environment. In short, it's because human beings are so evil and wicked that it was necessary to establish social norms and laws to govern their behavior and restrain their evil tendencies. The more prevalent wickedness became in the world, the more necessary it was to come up with social norms and laws. If you really want to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and come into the presence of God the Father, you must first realize without fail that you are fundamentally evil by nature, admit that you are a completely depraved sinner bound to hell, 
and then believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. You must believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and thus receive the remission of all your sins. Although God is holy, human beings are absolutely evil and therefore they cannot help but commit sin all the time. Even though they were made in the likeness of God's image, they are blasphemers of holiness. That is why human beings can be saved only if they believe wholeheartedly in the gospel of the water and the spirit given by Jesus Christ. You can reach your salvation only if you look for the righteousness of Jesus Christ, understand it, and believe in it. You must seek the righteousness of God and believe in his grace, saying to him, Lord, I admit that I am always wicked. I am full of shortcomings all the time. I commit sin constantly, and therefore I deserve to be punished in hell. That's why the salvation that you are offering through the gospel of the water and the spirit is so absolutely indispensable to me. I believe that you have saved me through the gospel of the water and the spirit. Only those who admit their weaknesses and wickedness can believe in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It said that Socrates was inspired by a scribble that he stumbled upon on a washroom wall which said, Know Yourself. This simple saying left an indeliable impression on Socrates as it exposed what was in his mind. So, Whenever Socrates saw someone self-righteous pretending to be virtuous and knowledgeable, he admonished the person by saying, Know yourself first. This simple statement alone was enough to make Socrates a great philosopher remembered even to this day. I cannot emphasize enough just how important it is for you to realize your sinful self. Know that you will be cast into hell for the wages of these sins and admit this with all your heart. You cannot truly grasp the righteousness of God unless you first realize what a depraved sinner you are before God and how inexorably, you are heading straight to hell. Like this, everyone must admit the consequences of his own sins first. The altar of burnt offering was made of acacia wood and its outside was overlaid with bronze. This implies that everyone has to be condemned for his sins, and every sinner is helpless to escape 
from this way to hell. But those who know how utterly helpless they are on their own can revere the righteousness of Jesus and believe in his love. Luke 18th chapter verses 10 through 14 reads, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisees in the days of Jesus were very pious in their outside appearances, teaching everyone else to live virtuously. But did they actually never commit any theft or adultery? No, of course not. Even though the Pharisees pretended to be godly outside, when no one was looking at them, they committed even more and worse sins than anyone else. Yet, despite this, they hypnotized themselves into believing that they were sinless, and they also pretended to be godly to those around them. It's precisely such people who are the most depraved sinners challenging the holiness of God. The tax collector's prayer was different from the Pharisee's prayer. It was clear to everyone that the tax collector was a sinner. Indeed, when he came out to God, he couldn't even lift up his head and look up to the sky. But instead, he beat his chest, confessing, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. God then listened to the tax collector's plea for mercy, and he saved him from all his sins as he believed in the truth of the water and the spirit. In contrast, the Pharisee was exposed as an evildoer in God's sight. It was the tax collector who was approved by God for his righteousness, not the Pharisee. It is only by believing in the righteousness of God with our hearts that we have received the remission of sins not by relying on our own works. Because our works always come short of God's holiness, we cannot help 
but commit sin all the time. And therefore, we all deserve to be condemned with fire for our sins, just as the sacrificial animals were constantly put to death and burnt on the altar of burnt offerings for the sins of the people of Israel. We must therefore confess to God just how sinful we are and be saved from all our sins and condemnation by believing in Jesus Christ alone. When we look at the fire and smoke rising up from the altar of burnt offering overlaid with bronze, we can see that in God's sight, we ourselves are sinners bound to be condemned to the fire of hell for our sins. Each and every one of you must realize this fact. Only then can you be completely delivered from all your sins and all the condemnation of your sins by believing in the baptism of Jesus Christ and his blood of sacrifice. Jesus Christ is offering you salvation from all your sins, but you cannot really look for this salvation sincerely and eagerly unless you admit to God first that you are total evil and that you cannot help but be condemned for your sins. And it is only when you believe in this truth of salvation with all your heart that you can reach your salvation, be freed from all your sins and all their condemnation and accept God's love. But as mentioned, before you can believe in the truth of salvation, you must first realize your true self and honestly admit your sinful nature and shortcomings before God. Only someone who admits his sinful self is someone who truly recognizes the holiness of God and his justice. In other words, you can receive the remission of sins by believing in the baptism of Jesus and his blood only if you first admit that while God is absolutely just, honest, and truthful, you are absolutely unjust, filthy, and evil in his sight. If you instead are self-righteous like the very Pharisee who considered himself immensely virtuous before God, then you should realize here that you are standing on very thin ice. Far from finding God's mercy, you will be forsaken by God. In contrast, if you are like the tax collector, then you can admit that you are a sinner bound to be condemned to hell for your sins and find mercy from God on account of this humble admission. Indeed, for all those who are humble like the tax collector, 
God the Father has blotted out all their sins with the gospel of the water and the Spirit and saved them by sending His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Although there are countless people in this world, they can all be divided into two specific types. Those who have received the remission of sins and those who have not received it yet. The former are those who admitted their total depravity and their hell-bound fate and, as a result, yearned for God's mercy. Such people have received the remission of sins by believing in the salvation of Jesus Christ. They acknowledge God sincerely and trust in his holiness, justice, and faithfulness. In contrast, the latter are not only refusing to receive the remission of their sins, but they are also standing against God for they neither believe that Jesus Christ is their Savior, nor admit that they themselves are sinners. You must believe that God has completely washed away all your sins with the truth of the blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Only those who have this unwavering faith have truly reached their salvation. The altar of burnt offering overlaid with bronze shows us that even though we were all destined to be condemned by God for our sins, we have been washed from all our sins by believing in the baptism of our Lord and his crucifixion. But before you profess to believe in Jesus as your Savior and confess your faith, you must first admit that you yourself deserve to be condemned by God for the countless sins that you have committed, just like the sacrificial animals that were burnt on the altar offering which was overlaid with bronze. Only if you admit your sinful self first can you really understand and believe in the baptism of Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross as your salvation? And only then can you become one of God's people. Faith in the blood of Jesus alone is not enough. Some of you may be thinking, why does Reverend Young keep saying that I should admit my sinful self when I already believe in Jesus' blood? It's true that I have a few blemishes, but I am not so sinful that I deserve to be condemned by God for my sins. I don't think that my every thought, every intention, and every act is so sinful that I deserved to be condemned. If this is what you are thinking now, then you should realize that you are gravely mistaken like the Pharisee. You are making a huge mistake by giving such a general assessment to yourself.
The Bible states clearly that the wages of sin is death. In God's sight, every sin is the same, whether it's small or big. Anyone who has any sin at all in God's sight, even if it's the smallest of all sins, will be condemned for this sin and cast into the fire of hell. It does not matter how big or small your sins are. As long as you have any sin at all, you are the same as any other sinner in the eyes of the holy God. Why is this so? It is because God himself is holy and therefore he cannot tolerate any sin at all regardless of how serious or trivial you may think your sins are. It's because God must condemn each and every sin without exception. When we honestly expose our lives before God, none of us can claim to have committed just a few sins. If you say that you have committed just a few sins, then perhaps you consider yourself virtuous, at least according to the standard of the world. But you are saying this only because your perception of God's judgment and condemnation of sin is completely wrong, as you have no idea just how strict God is. In other words, you are assessing yourself based on your own criteria and self-absorption rather than on God's standard. And that's why you are seriously mistaken. You must therefore examine yourself again objectively before the law of God, asking yourself, how do I appear in God's sight? When God looks at me, don't I appear as someone who deserves to be condemned? Haven't I committed countless sins that would surely send me to hell time after time? Like this, you ought to examine yourself objectively before God and realize clearly that you are a sinner destined to be cast into the fires of hell for the wages of your sins. It's absolutely imperative for you to recognize that anything that's not done by faith is a sin before God. Romans 14th chapter verse 23 that you yourself commit such sins constantly and that you will be condemned for these sins. Only after this can you realize the truth of salvation and grasp that the Lord has saved such a depraved sinner like you from all your sins through the blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine woven linen. And it is at this very moment that you can receive the remission of sins. 
As we look at the word of God explaining the tabernacle in detail, we cannot help but confess the following. Lord, we were indeed all destined to be condemned for our sins, for we cannot help but commit sin all the time. Yet, even so, you have completely delivered us from all our sins and condemnation by being baptized and shedding your blood to save us. Just by believing in your gospel truth of the water and the spirit, we have been saved from all our sins and condemnation. We were in fact all destined to be cast into hell. But thanks to you, we have been saved from all our sins by believing in the sacrificial system which was established by you. We believe that this is the gift of salvation that you have given to us. All that we can do before such amazing grace is just believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit and give all our thanks to you. There still are countless people in this world who have not come into the righteousness of Christ yet. Too many people are still too ignorant of the truth of salvation, not realizing that the Lord has saved each and every sinner from all the sins of the world through the truth of the blue, purple, and scarlet thread. These people have no idea just how evil they are and how they themselves are destined to be condemned for their sins. Even though they commit countless sins in all the time and they will be condemned for their sins, they don't realize that they themselves are such depraved sinners and they are just deceiving themselves. Moreover, they think mistakenly that they are actually doing good works before God and they are very eager to show off their own virtues. When they approach God, they don't hesitate to bring out their own righteousness rather than God's righteousness. In their self-righteous arrogance, they think that they will not go to hell even if they have sin. They are absolutely convinced that they will never go to hell, thinking to themselves that since they have only a few sins, they just need to receive the remission of these sins. There are actually many Christians all around the world who think that even though they believe in Jesus, they still have a few sins remaining with them and that these sins can easily be washed away just by offering prayers of repentance and that they will be sanctified eventually somehow and that they will ultimately all enter the kingdom of heaven. Many Christians are sure that even though they remain sinful, 
God will not judge them just because they believe in Jesus. But no matter how many people are absolutely convinced of this, they are all destined to the burning fires of hell. If you think that you will not go to hell, even if you don't really know the mystery of salvation, which is revealed in the tabernacle's blue, purple, and scarlet thread and the fine woven linen, or if you just believe that Jesus Christ was sacrificed for you without believing in his baptism, your faith then is flawed and imperfect. Like this, if you think that you will not go to hell even though your heart remains sinful, all because you somehow believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you then are actually challenging the holiness of God. Hell is the place prepared for precisely arrogant people who don't believe that they will face God's condemnation. It's such a tragedy that so many sinners remain so foolish that they don't even realize that they are heading straight to hell. But just as the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3rd chapter verse 23. Everyone must indeed be cast into hell, for everyone is sinful. The glory of God is none other than Jesus Christ himself, who came by the water and the Spirit. Although countless Christians profess to believe in Jesus, most of them still remain unsaved as they don't really understand that Jesus came by the water, the blood, and the Spirit. If you neither know nor believe in this Jesus Christ who has come by the blue, purple, and scarlet thread, then you have not been washed from all your sins yet, and therefore you cannot enter that brilliant house of God. And if you cannot come into God's house, then this can only mean that far from partaking in the kingdom of God, you will be cast into hell in the end. Therefore, regardless of whether or not you are a Christian professing to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not been truly born again, then you must admit that you are bound to hell for your sins and believe in Jesus Christ properly from this point on. The law of God clearly states that the wages of sin is death and you must acknowledge this divine law and believe in it without resistance. Only if you admit that you are heading straight to hell for your sins can you believe in the God-given gospel of the water and the spirit. 
God's gift of salvation is the remission of sins. And this gift is bestowed only on those who believe in the baptism of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. Our salvation and deliverance from all our sins did not come from ourselves, but it is God's gift to us. None of us was born in this world out of our own desire, but it is God who allowed us to be born on this earth in order to make us his own children. Realizing that God has enabled all of us to reach our salvation if only we believe in the baptism of Jesus, his death on the cross, and his resurrection, each and every one of us must believe in this truth. Having established his law, declaring that the wages of sin is death, God also planned to give us everlasting life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God ordered to make the altar of burnt offering out of a kaya wood, overlaid it with bronze, and lit fire on it. This implies that the wages of sin is death and that each and every sinner must be condemned forever. Such God-established law can be neither broken nor changed by any of us. That's why we must admit that we ourselves are helpless sinners and accept the truth of salvation into our hearts by faith. It's absolutely imperative for all of us to acknowledge and believe in each and every law that God has established and fulfilled for us. If you really have a clear understanding of the tabernacle and right faith, then God will not only save you from all your sins and the condemnation of these sins, but he will also bestow all his blessings on you. If, however, you refuse to consider your sins seriously even once, but instead obstinately think that you have hardly any sins, that you have never committed any mortal sins, or that the few sins that you have committed are nothing compared to the good things that you have done, then your soul will be subjected to God's law of wrath. Jesus Christ is God himself and you can be freed from all of your sins if you believe in Christ as your savior and trust in the righteousness of God which has been fulfilled by the Lord and once you are freed from all your sins by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit you will surely come to abide in God forever. 
I give all thanks to Jesus Christ for saving us from all our sins and death through the truth of salvation hidden in the sacrificial system of the tabernacle.